Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanless Podcast. We're just about to enter the second week of the Australian Open and we have got big upsets happening and near upsets also happening today. So lots to talk about. As always, uh, I'm joined by Marcus. Marcus, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I was uh, a little bit gutted to see two of my favourite players on the tour in Dominic Team and Felix Auger-Aliassime have been knocked out of the tournament when I woke up this morning. Um, that was a bit of a bit of a shock, but um, no, I'm looking forward to talking about it and definitely reflecting on what's been a really exciting first week. And it's not just Marcus joining me today. We're very pleased to be joined by Owen Mellor again after coming on uh, can't remember, back end of last year, I think it was. Uh, Owen, how are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, it was a privilege to uh, come on last time. I'm just glad I can just talk tennis again with you guys. And uh, I can just echo what you've all been saying about you know this Australian Open. I think we've had some great matches. And I just look forward to you know, the final the final week after the week we've just had. For sure, definitely. Uh, so without further ado, we will get on to the tennis. Fourth round matches started uh, last night. And we've had our first two quarterfinals set up uh, and then the other four fourth rounds will be tonight. So we're going to start off with today's matches, looking ahead at the two quarterfinals we've got set up uh, and then we will go on to preview the final uh, fourth round matches. Um, and then we will also go on to look uh, just very quickly at the um, the women's draw and also some mentions later on in the podcast for Andy Murray and Liam Brody who uh, despite not being in Australia are having brilliant weeks um, so we'll start with the the main upset that came from uh, last night's action uh, I got up at five o'clock in the morning to watch this one I was rather disappointed to be honest uh, with how it went, it wasn't really much of a contest. Uh, that would be Grigor Dimitrov against Dominic Team, uh, the last year's runner up against uh, the 18 seed Dimitrov. Dominic Team just really didn't get going at all in this match. Um, so many unforced errors, uh, looked quite poor to be honest. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know where to start with him, so I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna look to my two, my two colleagues here to really get me going with team because I'm, I'm not exactly sure what I watched today uh, but it wasn't brilliant um Owen did you see any of the match uh, and, and if not what what do you make of the result so uh, unfortunately I didn't see any of the match but I would have loved to because you know uh, two of my favorite players actually in team and Dimitrov you know great shot makers um and just like you I was so surprised to wake up to see team had lost in straights and even more surprised to see him not even put up a fight in that third set to lose it six love. Uh, it was just um, a bit shocking to me. And I'm going to look quite stupid now because I actually predicted team to win the whole tournament. So now that he's out, you know, um, you know, I've got, I've got egg on my face in that regard, but um, yeah, in terms of the match, you know, Dimitrov, he's one of those players who can go hot and cold. He can play well, he can play badly. He can have some shock results. And I think, you know, in this in this respect, he possibly had, 
you know, he's played a bit less maybe than team. You know, maybe that Kyrgios match um, t- took its toll, even though it, during the match it didn't look like team was phased, team was at all injured or, or anything. But I think, you know, he's had that time to rest and I think he might not have been ready to, you know, play, go into this next match against Dimitrov in the same way he went into this, the match with Kyrgios. Um, you know, he had to battle the crowd. He had to battle a lot more than just, you know, the tennis. So I don't want to make excuses for team, but, you know, I think in this instance, he just had a bit, le- um, not much left in the tank. But, um, yeah, sad to see him go out at the fourth round stage. Yeah, for sure. I've got to agree. I think, to be honest, I'm, I was quite surprised because uh, I, I was thinking that, you know, perhaps it is that he's, blown out a little bit with uh, following the whole Kyrgios match, which was a brilliant match, by the way. Um, but, you know, I never really thought that team was the sort of player that would easily blow out, to be honest. I don't know if there was something else playing playing on his mind today, um, something else affecting it, or sometimes people, anything, do just have bad days and there's not a lot of reasoning for it. But um, it certainly was a poor day for Dominic Team. I know you're a, a good fan of Dominic Team, Marcus, um, and you know you touched on your, your opening bit, uh, how gutted you were to see him go out. But I'm, I'm also aware you, you're a Dimitrov fan, so I'm, you know, let's look at Grigor Dimitrov as well. We're pleased to see him make the quarterfinals. Definitely. I think he's a player that's shown across the course of his career that he has the ability to reach the second week consistently and uh, and go deep in Grand Slams. He's made a number of semi-finals, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And of course, the main achievement of his career, winning winning that um, ATP Tour finals. Um, yeah, it's important that we don't take anything away from Dimitrov. It's important to note that team was a, a break-up in both the first and second set. So it's not like Grigor had it all his way. Um, he did have to put, you know, you know, some graft in. But yeah, team said in his post-match interview that he's not a machine um, and he can have bad days. And this is definitely going to go down as a bad day. Um, no matter how much we talk about Dimitrov and what sort of accolades he's achieved, we are talking at least sort of three, four years in the past. Um, he's, he's not the player he once was. I don't think he's as dedicated as he once was. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really disappointing defeat. In that, the aggressive style that team tends to play with, the amount of, yeah, in, intensely hard backhands and forehands, you know, he really commits to every shot. I do find kind of see a way how that style could lead to him having bigger off days than maybe other players that play a more regimented solid style play the percentages maybe a little bit more than Dominic team you could say um but no yes we've got to take nothing away from Dimitrov he's it's, it's an outstanding win and I look forward to see how he gets on against Aslan Karatsev in, in the quarterfinal um but yeah an overriding feeling of disappointment team did look really dejected in the in the comp- press conference off after the match um but he'll have to pick himself up there's plenty of the year left um and yeah, I'm sure he can kick on and still have a hugely successful year. Yeah, I think we'll all be in agreement when uh, we say that I think we're not too worried about team going off the board or anything. I'm sure he'll recover from it uh, with the, the next Grand Slam being uh, Roland Garros, one that he enjoys very much. A couple of masters, I think, between now and then. Um yeah, Grigor Dimitrov, one of three men uh, still in the tournament, not to drop a set, actually. Um, he's got a brilliant record so far. 
Dimitrov coming through in straight sets against Marin Cilic, Alex Bolt. Uh, was a setup against Pablo Cronio Busta when he retired in the third round. And now straight sets against Dominic Team. So, um, yeah, it, as we say, we definitely can't take anything away from him, although Team did look quite under par today. Uh, he's got a fantastic record at this tournament. He's made uh, his fourth Australian Open quarterfinal. And it's his sixth quarterfinal overall um, at Grand Slams. He's made two Grand Slam semifinals in the past. Uh, Wimbledon way back in 2014 and uh, the US Open just a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, in the quarterfinal, uh, as Marcus says, he will be facing the brilliantly named Aslan Karatsev of Russia. Uh, a player who qualified for this tournament uh, weeks back in the Middle East when they did the qualifying stages. Uh, he has got through his fourth-round match last night uh, from two sets down, two sets and a breakdown uh, to Felix Auger-Aliassime. So really in a winning position, the young Canadian. Uh, this one was on very early in the night, so it was already over at the city time I got up, so I, I, I didn't see it. But, um, you know two sets to the breakup. You've got to think Felix has thrown this one away a little bit. Um, yeah, Marcus, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, re really disappointing to see from Felix, but at the same time, a, an exceptional week from Aslan Karatsev, who also beat Diego Schwartzman, the 11th seed in straight sets as well. So, um, you know, it looks like he's he's having a very good week. Certainly the breakout player of the tournament, you'd have to say. Um, I did consider him as a player that we we could talk about in the last episode. Um, but then I looked at his age and realised that he was 27. Um, just because he's sort of broke into the top 100, I think, or has shown the first first serious form that we've seen in his career at 27 is a, is a bit of a surprise and therefore led me to believe that his potential probably wasn't as high as a player that was, say, maybe 22, 23 and producing this form. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised to see him beat Diego Schwartzman, given the Argentine's prowess on on a hard court is 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 not that that it is on a clay court. But yeah, it's been immensely impressive from him. Very disappointing for Felix. Um, there was a extremely um, crucial momentum shift mid match, you'd have to say, because yeah, Felix. I mean, six three, six four, and obviously there was two breaks to to Karatsev. Um, in, in one of those six threes. So it is quite alarming. I thought after Felix beat his compatriot, Denis Shapovalov, in the last round, who, of course, had looked so good um, in the tournament in straight sets as well, that was a really convincing win. And ho I was hoping that we were going to see Felix in the last day of a Grand Slam for the first time. But it's not to be. Um, he's still got plenty of time. It's, I think the Shap Shapovalov win does stand out as maybe his best ever at a Grand Slam. And it, it shows that overall, you'd have to say, well, I would say that I'm, I'm still feeling a little bit better about Felix going out of this tournament than than I did going into it. So it, it's disappointing to see him go out to a player like Karatsev, but it's been a been a decent showing from him anyway. Um, as for Karatsev, I noticed when, uh, when making my notes for this podcast that uh, in the second round, he played Igor Garasimov, um, the sort of wily, wily player. And yeah, and he beat him six love, six one, six love. Um, hell of a performance. Usually when you see a scoreline like that, the other player will retire at some point, but Grasimov kept going. 
and yeah, 18 games to one, pretty, pretty unbelievable stuff. Um, so yeah, it, the breakout player has got to be Aslan Karatsev for this tournament and it's going to be interesting to see where he goes this year. Coming up against Grigor Dimitrov, of course, in the quarterfinal will be an interesting match, but he gained so much momentum by rattling off those three sets on the bounce to get the win against Felix. I definitely wouldn't write him off. Yeah, I stumbled across that when I was making my notes this morning as well. Um, that escaped me a little bit that Gerasimov had only managed one game against uh, Aslan Karatsev. Uh, so, yeah, you, you touch on that quarterfinal against Dimitrov. So, um, I mean, I'll come to you now, Owen. It's all, quite understandably, it's Dimitrov and Karatsev's first ever meeting, um, having not really been around each other much on tour. Uh, Karatsev uh, ranked 114th in the world, so he's not even got into the top 100 yet. Um, that obviously will increase massively come the, the new rankings. Uh, I, I suppose maybe you don't know too much about Karatsev because I certainly don't. But, um, you know, do, do we give him a, a chance against Dimitrov? Well, I think, you know, I saw a stat that he um, kind of, when he when he won his uh, fourth uh, third round match to get into the fourth round, um, he joins an elite club of you know this is his debut Grand Slam and to get to the the second week for the first, first in his first tries an unbelievable feat and I don't think we should shy away from that. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a few years back in the Australian Open when Tennis Sangren got to the quarterfinals out of the blue and everyone was like, "What's this?" I think he beat Team in the fourth round back then. But, you know, it's, it's like you can't write a player that's beaten Jago Schwartzman and Uja Eliassim back-to-back and is now he's fully earned himself a place in that quarterfinal against Dimitrov. And you know he's going to turn up and he's going to play. He's going to try and play his best tennis, you know, no crowd. You know, he, maybe, that's, maybe that's fueling him. Maybe he doesn't feel like everyone's watching him. Um, and, you know, he can just play his tennis and let his tennis do the talking. But, you know, he's a big hitting player. He's got a good serve, good forehand. And I think the most surprising thing to me was he was also playing a big hitter in Felix Ojalasim, and you know Ojalasim wasn't able to you know dictate the play as much as he would like to, and you know I understood the um, him coming through against Schwartzman definitely much more. This one kind of late, uh, left me a bit baffled because I was like, you know, Ojalasim has the power to match Karatsev um, definitely, and. Um, I was just surprised at the way the match ended, but, you know, take nothing away from Karatsev. And I think he should go into the, that match with Grigor Dimitrov, you know, with all the confidence in the world. And, you know, he, he's got a chance of getting to the semi-finals, 100%. Yeah, I think, as you say, take nothing away from Karatsev at all. But, you know, Felix, with all the power and the weapons that we know he has to be two sets and a break-up, um, there's really got to be a bit of a, an investigation with him and his team into where that match went wrong um, because it's presumably gone quite wrong somewhere for him. Uh, but yeah, for now, we'll look ahead and forward to that match. Uh, it's always good to see a new player uh, doing well. You know, so often we can see similar names popping up in quarterfinals of Grand Slams and not really challenging the, the top players so much, but uh, to, to see players like Dimitrov and Karatasev there is, is always an enjoyable thing to see. 
Um, okay, so moving on to the second quarter final that got set up today. Um, that's going to be between the world number one, Novak Djokovic, and uh, Alexander Zverev, the sixth seed. We'll start with Djokovic. Though we all fully expected him to be here, it's certainly been uh, far from easy for the world number one. He uh, dropped a set in his second round against Francis Tiafo before going on for a match against Taylor Fritz, which he came very close to losing. He had a quite a bad sort of abdominal oblique area injury in that match. He looked like he was struggling a lot. Um, it was a bizarre match. Started with fans on the crowd uh, in the crowd and ended in an empty arena with fans being sent home at midnight due to the new Melbourne five-day lockdown that they're doing uh, amid coronavirus cases. Uh, but it kind of had a bit of everything this match against Fritz. And he even said afterwards that he wasn't sure if he was going to play in his next round match. Uh, he did play today against Milos Reinic with the obliques area bandaged up. Uh, and it was quite a close match. Uh, he took the first set. Then Reinic came back, replied with the second set. It was a comfortable third set for Djokovic, winning it 6-1. But uh, again, quite a close fourth set. Although he's come through these first four rounds, he's not looking brilliant. That's what I would say, you know, considering he's an eight-time champ. Uh, he's into his, I think it's 12th Australian Open quarterfinal now. It's a tournament that he loves. But I'm just really getting the feeling watching him uh, that he's not quite at it at the moment. And perhaps other players might be sensing a, a real chance here with Djokovic not playing as you'd expect him to. Um, so, Owen, I'll, I'll come to you. I know you uh, watched this match. You know, we, we were all watching this one. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on Djokovic? Well, like I was actually surprised, you know, to see... Um him come out and play this match, to be fair, considering how bad he was looking against uh, against Fritz. You know, he was all over the place. He was like, you know, hitting a shot and then dramatically falling to the ground. It looked like, you know, it looked like the writing was on the wall and he was going to chuck the towel in. But we've seen it time and time again with um, Djokovic. You know, he loves to come when, when everyone's looking against him. He loves to, you know, show people, you know, that he's the world number one. He's the champion here. This is his home. And, you know, he's not going down unless he really, really feels like he need, he needs to quit. And, um, you know, against Fritz, he managed to come through that. And I thought, I think that gives him slight more confidence now. You know, he's got through possibly the hardest parts, part of the tournament now. And, you know, from his perspective, he's looking to now push on. But it's whether, you know, the injury, you know, the oblique area, you know, makes him suffer again in the future. Um but now he's got he's got Zverev next, and that's not getting any easier for him. Um, I definitely don't put him as favourite now to win the tournament. But you know it's Djokovic. He he can uh, can he pull the rabbit out of the hat again? I I don't know, but um, we'll have to wait and see. But you know I think I think definitely like what you said, players are looking at him as a you know vulnerable now. And um, you know, I think if you go into a match against Djokovic now, you it's more like you you're focusing on how you're playing, uh, whether uh, rather than just looking down the other end of the court and seeing how he's playing because you know he's not 100% right, and you know you got to focus on your game. And I think you know the last match Fritz kind of went away from that 
you know, he, he was in the position to win the match. And I think he, it just got into his head, you know, I've got a chance to make my first fourth round here, um, you know, at a Grand Slam level. I've got a chance to beat the world number one. I think it got to his head. And I think, you know, players now need to look past that. I need to overcome that mental barrier. And then, you know, there's a real chance for them to, you know, progress. And, uh, you know, there's a real chance that Djokovic could go out. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, he said in his post-match uh, interview that any other tournament he would have retired prior to that uh, the match this morning. But with it being a Grand Slam, he said, you know, he, he's obviously going to play uh, and, and really try. But I, I completely get where you're coming from when you said you were a little bit surprised to see him come out because he definitely did sound very dejected after that Fritz match. Um, you know... We talk about missed opportunities uh, when we're looking at sort of the Canadian Felix Auger-Aliassime. If we're looking at Milos Reinich today, he now is 12-0 down head-to-head with uh, Novak Djokovic, a pretty dismal head-to-head record. But when you are looking at a weakened Djokovic, like Owen said, and a, a Djokovic that could be a bit more vulnerable, do we see this as a slightly missed opportunity, Marcus, for Reinich. Do we think that he could have maybe made a bit more of a go of it? Uh, or, or do you think a wounded Djokovic is still far superior to loads of players at the Australian Open? A lot of people say that no one can dig deeper. Um, sometimes, I think I think I do truly believe that, Um Djokovic gets every single ounce of his body. I, I don't think he, he will look back on many matches in his career and think, leave the court thinking I, I, he can't hold his head high and think he gave absolutely everything. Um, although having said that, I think the manner of this victory, the way that he came through the last couple of sets quite simply, I don't think Raonic really troubled him on, on many of his return games. I think there was one in particular. But apart from that, it was it was quite quite simple for Djokovic particularly in that third set and so I put down the manner of the of the victory to um to the shortcomings of Milos Raonic more than I do Djokovic really regathering himself and and putting together some excellent um points and and performance in in that last two sets I think if it was a tougher player like Sasha Zverev I think Zverev would have beaten Djokovic today um I think yeah most of those players in in the top 10 probably would I've really fancied their chances, and I do think Milos Raonic has missed a huge opportunity. Um, he's looking to cling on to a, a career that seems to be fizzling out a little bit. You know, it's been downhill since he made that Wimbledon final and lost to Andy Murray. I think injuries have plagued him, um, but it does seem like a player like Milos Raonic is becoming more and more one-dimensional as, it, as his career goes on. I think pretty sure he's the wrong side of 32 now. Um, so... It's not looking great. I mean, 30, not 32. Roll side of 30. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a big missed opportunity for me. And I completely agree with Owen that, in my opinion, having seen him and his his physical state, Djokovic is not the favourite for this tournament anymore in my eyes. Um, so, yeah, for, um, to, to surmise, I think it was more a missed opportunity for Raonic than an excellent come back from from Djokovic after going to one set all and looking very bad physically but you know as you said I think pre-podcast if his name's in the draw he's still in with a great chance and we can't write him off particularly at this tournament of all 
Yeah, I think that's definitely the thing you get with Djokovic. Whatever the tournament, however he's playing, he's just going to be such a threat. He is, you know, one of the best, I think you can safely say, one of the best tennis players of all time, whether you believe he is or not, is a whole nother debate. But, um, you know, he, he is truly outstanding. And I think definitely... Definitely wouldn't write him off, but I completely see where yourself and Owen are coming from in terms of players like Zverev might be fancying it a little bit more now. Just quickly on Ryanich, I think I do feel that he's revived his career a little bit. Um, you know, obviously he, he got to that Wimbledon final. Um, I do think there were some darker days for him, and recently in the last couple of years, he seems to have sort of got up to a bit more of a consistent level, possibly, and a, a bit better. But I do think, you know, he's 30 years old now. I just uh, looked that up because I, I can't believe it. Um, you know, he's in his 30s now. Uh, I, I do think where we see Ryanich now is probably the peak of where we're going to see Ryanich. I don't really think there's any further for him to go, which is sad to say, uh, considering he made that Wimbledon final. He must have been, what, early 20s. Um also made the Queen's final that year. It was um, a brilliant summer for Reinich. Um, so if we look at the semi-final, uh, Djokovic, Zverev, uh, they played seven times. Head-to-head, Djokovic leads 5-2. Um, very surprised to read, actually, this is their first Grand Slam meeting. They've never played in a Grand Slam, which I'm kind of surprised by. Um, they played, I think, four times at the ATP Tour Finals. Uh, and in a couple of Masters, but uh, never in a Grand Slam. 5-2 Djokovic, as I say, Djokovic has won the last four of them. Uh, Zverev was 2-1 up, uh, but Djokovic has turned that around. He won quite recently uh, at the ATP Cup the other week. He uh, beat Zverev 6-7-6, sorry, 7-6, 6-2-7-5, I think that is over him. And um, yeah, so boasting the better record on the head-to-head, but with it being a Grand Slam match now, it's sort of a different setup that they've never had against each other. Uh, Owen, what, what do you make of this match uh, and, and how do you think it's going to go? Well, I think, like like I said before, Zverev has got a very good chance of beating Djokovic here. Um, you know, we've seen him do it, beat Djokovic on a big stage before, you know, um, ATP finals, um, one there. He knows how to do it on the big stage Zverev. It's just whether, you know, his own, get, own game can hold up. Whether he doesn't have those issues with the second serve, which he seems to have, you know, put behind him a bit more this tournament, which is good to see from his perspective. But, you know, you never know with him whether that can come back, whether he can show, you know, a bit of recklessness, a bit of, um, you know, inconsistency. And, you know, Djokovic is the type of player who's going to, you know, even the weakened Djokovic is going to capitalise on any sort of, like, inconsistent play that, you know, Zverev is going to, you know, sort of conjure up. So he, I think he really needs to, like, do his homework before this match, really, not, you know, get himself set up with the right frame of mind, which we haven't seen too much of in recent years from Zverev, even though he's made, you know, a final, but he had, like, um, a favoured draw in that US Open final, I would argue. Um, uh, he's also, you know, he. I think what he would like, what positive for Zverev now is that, you know, team is not in the draw. And I think he struggled a few times against team, you know, at, at Grand Slam level. So, you know, it's a different opponent now. Another quarterfinal, uh, sorry, semi-final. Um, 
for him. So that's that's brilliant in it for hit for him. But um, you know, can't take away Djokovic. Uh, can't exclude him out of it at all. But I do think Zverev has got a very very big chance here. Just needs to take that chance. Uh, and Marcus, same question to you, really. Uh, how do you see this going? Uh, and then I will go round uh, everyone and we'll get some final predictions for the two quarterfinals. But Marcus, we just want to talk about this one a little bit first. Yeah, similarly to Owen, I think more um, importance is on which Sasha Verev turns up. Um, I can't see any miracle recovery with Djokovic. You must still be carrying this injury going into the match, seeing how he struggled today and obviously against Fritz. So, yeah, the ball's in Zverev's court, if you pardon the pun. I think it's a huge opportunity. You know, what is he now, 23 probably? Something something like that. He's going to see whether he can really kick on this year, obviously, after making that first Grand Slam final at the US Open at the back end of last, last year. Then it's a great opportunity with one of Dimitrov or Karatsev in the semi-final. Um so, yeah, for me, it's all about Zverev. I think an 8 out of 10 performance from Zverev will be enough to really push Novak. I think that would take it to a to a fifth set. Um, and then it comes to, you know, Djokovic digging really deep and whereas, whether Zverev will get a bit nervous. Um, but, yeah, obviously, he'll have to raise this game. It's arguably against the greatest player of all time, the greatest returner of all time. Um, so it's a really, really exciting match. Um I, I, it's a tough one to call. Um, obviously, you'll probably come back to me. I'm glad you're going to give me a little bit of time to think about this. But no, it's really exciting. Um, but yeah, if Zverev can bring his best game, I'd back him to win this one. Yeah, Zverev, uh, we haven't actually mentioned, uh, coming through this morning in straight sets against Duzan Lajevic. Um, Watch this match after the Dimitrov team won. Uh, I thought Zverev played well. I'm still not 100% convinced by him. I still think, you know, the serve does look a bit... It's a bit touch and go, you know. It's a, we, we all know he's prone to double faulting in, in big moments. And I, I do wonder if against Djokovic, you know, he he might crumble a little bit on the serve. We'll see. Um, but it has to be said, Zverev is having a very good tournament. He came to the Australian Open last year having not actually made the quarterfinal, I think it was, of a Grand Slam at that point. Or no, he might have done it at uh, France at that point. But, he, you know, he came on... Uh, no, sorry, it was a semi-final he hadn't made uh, at this point last year. Um, made the semi-final last year, losing to uh, Dominic team in four sets. Um, at, but this year round, he's made the quarterfinal with actually, you know, even fewer problems than he did last year. He dropped the set. In the first round against Marcos Giron. Um, and I know Marcus said at the time that he wasn't too concerned about that uh, on our last pod, um, Giron being a good player himself. And, and to be fair to the Zverev, he's gone on and he hasn't dropped a set since that match, um, beating Maximum Pressi, uh, Adrian Manorino in straight sets, and, and Dusan Lajevic today. So um, I'll start off with my prediction on this one. Uh, and then we'll go back around for the Dimitrov Karatsev predictions, which I, my one certainly will be much less informed uh, than my prediction for this Djokovic Zverev one. But I'm going to go Djokovic in five sets. I just think, I think he'll find that way. I think he'll dig deep. And I just, 
I just question Zverev quite a lot. I, I, he's a very frustrating player to follow. I think with a lot of sort of his inconsistencies and uh, habits that he has on court. You know, the the, the poor double faulting quite often. Uh, he he has cut it down a little bit at this tournament, and he's going to have to. Because, uh, like you say, you know, if it's an eight out, you say an eight out of ten, Zverev will give Djokovic a good match. I think if he's going to beat Djokovic uh, in a couple of days, he's going to have to do nine point five out of ten. I would say, you know, a wounded Djokovic is still a very strong Djokovic. So, yeah, I'm going to go Djokovic in five. Uh, I'll come to Owen first. What are you going to say? Well, I agree with you. I think, um, in the respect, it's it's got five sets written on over it. Um, I do, though, in this respect, um, slightly favour Zverev just on, you know, what's going on with Djokovic. I don't know if he's if he's going to, like, last another brutal match. And I think that if this is, if this is going to go to five and it is destined to, if it is destined to do so, then I just think he's going to struggle. And even though he's just a competitor, he is, I think, you know, there comes a time when, you know, one's body can't, keep up and I think it might be one match too many for Djokovic and you know it'll be disappoint- disappointing for him you know he's so consistent here at the Australian Open but I've got to go with Zverev in five this time but you know in five sets it can either it can, it's kind of like a seesaw it can go one way or the other there's tipping points for both players but I think it's going to go the, the way of Zverev and it'll be a big big win for the German yeah possibly the biggest win of his career, possibly, uh, with not having that Grand Slam pedigree yet in his career, beating uh, Djokovic at the Australian Open would be massive. So both uh, Owen and I have gone for five sets, but we've one has gone for Djokovic, one has gone for Zverev. What are you going to say, Marcus? It's a full house on predicting this match to go the distance. I think we've got to remember that Djokovic turns 34 in a couple of months, so maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that he's having niggling injuries at that stage of his career. But maybe just through past matches and experience, I'm going to have to go for another Sasha Zverev choke, potentially, and therefore Djokovic to profit in a in a deciding set. What, um, what form and what shape that will see Djokovic go into the last four, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, with experience on his side, he clearly manages his body very well. I'm going to go for Djokovic in five. Yeah, I didn't want to use the word choke, but uh, I feel like I've just seen it too many times with Zverev now that I, I just feel like going the distance, I, I, I back Djokovic injured or not. Okay, uh, let's move on to tonight's matches uh, and tomorrow morning's matches. Uh, So four four rounds uh, still to come. Uh, We'll go through them quickly and sort of the heads and how we uh, think we can see them going. So uh, I've kind of put them in an order of how much I think they're interesting. I I don't know what order they're playing in, uh, but I think the most exciting tie for me tonight is the number five seed, uh, Stefano Tsitsipas, against the number nine seed, Matteo Berrettini, who the real reformed uh, Matteo Berrettini had a horrible 
2020 really uh, and benefited uh, by the new ranking system, hence why he's still 10th in the world. He's the ninth seed here. Um, but yeah, he's had a brilliant tournament. He's uh, beaten Karen Hatchinoff in straight sets uh, in the uh, last match. All of the sets go into a tie breaks. Um, beating Kevin Anderson in straight sets and the exciting youngster uh, Macaque, uh from Czech Republic, I believe, uh, in four sets. Uh, Sitsipas had a bit of a hot and cold tournament so far. Um, very good against Gilles Simon, beating him in straight sets. Struggling against uh, Tanasi Kokinakis, five sets that match. But you can, you know, definitely understand that with the the crowd in at that point, Kokinakis would have been getting uh, a big helping hand from the audience. Uh, but then since passed back to clean winning ways, I think it was 6-1, 6-1, 6-4, 6 or something along that line, beating uh, Mikael Ymer of Sweden, uh, the exciting youngster. So um, two men both looking quite good uh, coming into this match. You know, I think you'd have to put Sitsipas as the favourite. He holds a 2-0 head-to-head over Berrettini, um, and they have both actually come at Grand Slam events. He beat uh, Berrettini at the Australian Open two years ago in four sets and then he beat Berrettini two years before that in 2017 at US Open qualifying. Uh, it's a, kind of crazy to think four years ago this was a, a qualifying match for uh, an event, uh, a Grand Slam event. Um, so Marcus, what, what do you think about this match? Um, would you agree the Pass is the favourite and do you think Berrettini kind of comes into this match with nothing to lose, really. Um, my assessment of Matteo Berrettini has almost reversed a year. I think, given the form he showed in this tournament, I think we can forgive him last year. He's really put it behind him. And in those circumstances, it's, it's not a surprise to see some players falter and some players thrive. Obviously, Berrettini struggled a lot. Um, you say that it's uh, interesting to see that they, they played in US Open qualifying not so long ago the match they played at the Australian Open two years ago was actually in the first round so that shows how much they've improved their rankings to be able to now meet each other in a fourth round as a as fifth and ninth seed um, I've been really impressed with Berrettini obviously you know that I, I uh, punted for Kevin Anderson to get to the quarterfinal and then Berrettini dismissed him in straight sets in the first round doing the same with with Karen Hatchinov in the third of course three tie breaks so not as comfortable as it as it looked on the, on the scoreline, but still a very impressive win, and it proves that he can deal with big servers, um, which sits a pass. Of course, is one. He's got the all round game, but his serve is definitely one of his best shots. Um, and yeah, sits a pass going five sets with Kokonakis doesn't doesn't fill me with confidence in the Greek. I feel like he's not the player he was in 2019. Obviously, going on to win that ATP Tour Finals. Um, title I, I, I don't think he's really kicked on from there players like Medvedev and Andre Rublev even are probably uh, closer to winning a grand slam in my opinion than, than, than Stefanos Tsitsipas and carrying on from that I'm actually going to doubt him to win this match I think I'm going to go for Matteo Berrettini a bit of a bit of a surprise but I think maybe a little bit less time spent on court they're probably quite even in that to be honest but I think it's a pass going in as the as the favourite will suit Berrettini. Um, I think 
yeah, takes the pressure off him. He's got nothing to lose. And I think, yeah, Sitsipas going into the closing exchanges of a Grand Slam, we haven't seen that all too often. He did go on to make that semi-final in, in 2019. But yeah, I think Sitsipas is a player for me that's just stuttering a little bit. Um, like we've seen Sasha Zverev do in the last couple of years, maybe not as extreme as that. But I think Berrettini might might have it over him in this match. I'm going to go for Berrettini in four. Berrettini in four, interesting assessment. I think in the sits of pass, uh, I see what you mean. He is stuttering, but he, he does also show some fantastic quality at the last Grand Slam, which was the French Open uh, last year. Very, very nearly beat Djokovic in the semi-final. Uh you know, would have made his first Grand Slam final. That wasn't too long ago. I know it's a very different uh, style of tournament with it being on clay court. Um, but okay, you've heard Marcus go for Berrettini in four. I'm going to go for Sitsipas in five. I'm going to go for another five set match just because we've had so many uh, this tournament. Um, Owen, what, what do you make of this match? Um, do you think it's a real must-win for Sitsipas? You know, if he really does want to make that real step up into those ones that you talk about as consistent, realistic challenges for the top tournaments, do you think this is a match that really he's just got to be winning? Uh, firstly, to answer your question, uh, yes, I think it's um, a must-win match for Sitsipas. You know, there's been question marks um, asked of him like what Marcus was alluding to. So I think, yeah, definitely a must-win match against, you know, we've got to say an informed Berrettini, you know, on stark contrast um, to last to last season. But I, for me, I've got two um, two views on this match. So I think it can go either way. I think for, um, I think it can either be a five-set win for Berrettini or a straight-sets victory for Stitsipas. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I watched um, Hatchnov uh, v uh, Berrettini and it looked like he was struggling, Berrettini, in that match. Injury problems. Um, don't know how serious it was. And I think he was so relieved to get through that final set tiebreak. But I think, still think he got pushed by Hatchinov. And even though it was a great win, I think he's he could be struggling physically. Um, but as for Sitsipas, you know, he's shown it time and time again at Grand Slam level. He can, you know, um, play his best tennis. So... You know, it's it's a really tough one to call uh, for me, um, but I'm I'm actually going to go with Sitsi Pass in straights because I think that Berrettini, I think he could be a bit fatigued. Just something something gives me that that feeling. Okay, much more varied uh, array of predictions there with uh, one for straight sets Sitsi Pass, one for four sets Berrettini, and one for Five sets, uh, Sitsipas. Uh, just going on to the second uh, fourth round that I put on uh, for tonight. That's the second seed, Rafael Nadal. He is uh, the second of three men not to drop a set so far, uh, beating Lazo Gere, Michael Moe and Cam Norrie in three sets uh, each match. Um, and he will come up against the veteran... Uh, one year junior to Nadal, though, actually, uh, Fabio Fanini, um, who has beaten uh, Herbert in the first round, came for a brilliant five-setter, uh, a heated five-setter against Salvatore Caruso, which we spoke about 
uh, at great length in the last uh, podcast with it being um, yeah a bit heated at the end uh, but then most impressively for Fanini defeating Alex Di Manure in straight sets which was quite a surprise I had Alex Di Manure to get to the quarterfinals of uh, this tournament um, because I stupidly thought that Nadal would have got injured by now um, but yeah um, very good showing from Fanini so far and we've not really seen him do it so much on a Grand Slam stage he's got a brilliant career but he has only made the quarterfinal of a Grand Slam once which does surprise me a little bit um, so Owen I'll come to you on this match first um, what would you make of this match um, surprised to see Fanini getting to the fourth round to be fair yeah I thought um, you know um Dimonor would uh, would win that match, but I think you know Fanini showed there that he's back to his best and he's playing his best tennis. And at that level, Fanini, I think everyone can say, is a real danger. He's so unpredictable, times the ball so well, he can hit shots from pretty much anywhere. So, and he's shown he can do it against the best. You know, I, I remember you know maybe back in like 2015 when he played Nadal at the U.S. Open, you know, two sets to love down and then came back to win in five. And the reason he did that was, you know, his his massive shot making, his huge, you know, backhand and forehand, you know, um, and I just see this as a as a proper problem for Nadal. I watched his match against Cam Norrie, and I don't think he was at his best. I think there was still he could still have gone into a second gear in that match, um, you know. But we've seen it time and time again from Nadal. He can be playing badly, and then he steps it up. He steps his game up for that next match. But I think he's going to be really pushed by Fanini, who, you know, I predict Fanini to go go into this match all guns blazing, go with, um, you know, go to try and attack Nadal, try and settle him. Um, they've had history in the past, a few disagreements. Um, so I think all shaping up for a feisty match in this in that regard. Um, and you know, I think Fanini can can definitely at least get a set off Nadal. Whether he wins the match, that's another question, but. I think he can get a set, especially in the form he's playing. So if I was to go with a prediction, I would say Nadal in four. Yeah, very interesting. I think um, I'm going to be less optimistic than you uh, for Fanini. I think, you know, I, I've been just, I've done that typical thing of just hearing someone has a little injury before the tournament and getting a bit carried away with it when really so far Nadal's that fine and you know, I think sometimes I'm not saying Nadal makes things up. I'm saying that I think sometimes maybe he likes to exaggerate things a little bit to maybe take the pressure off him a little bit um, when it comes to injuries. I don't know. But um, that's maybe how I feel a little bit about this because I've seen little bits of him playing over those three matches and he'd look to be serving quite quite well for me and he, he's looked quite fine with the back so I'm going to go for Nadal in straights um, but it'll be nice to see Fanini give him a, a bit more of a battle um, Marcus uh, what about you on this? Potentially some my games mind games for sure from the Nadal comp before before the tournament um, we were pretty bullish about going for Alex Di Minaur to beat Fabio Fonini in straights in the last round a couple of episodes ago so we've got to show him some respect and uh, yeah, as as Owen said, he is an unpredictable player, very flamboyant in his style. And yeah, I would expect this one 
to be very feisty, a lot of lot of passion, a lot of European passion out there on the court. Um, however, having said that, I don't give him much of a chance. Um, I give him credit for for making the fourth round, but I really can't see him challenging the Nadal to be honest. So yes, yeah, it's, it's Nadal in straights for me. Yep. Uh, that is fair enough. All going for Nadal there, but Owen uh, hoping. Uh, well, I think we're all hoping that it can be uh, a good match. Uh, Owen going for that a bit more than than Marcus and I did. Um, so we'll just look quickly at the other two matches. Andre Rublev will face Casper Ruud. Uh, Rublev uh, being the third man of three to come through uh, so far without dropping a set, beating Yannick Hampman in straight sets, Thiago Montero, and the veteran Feliciano Lopez, who was having a very impressive tournament up to that point. Um, and yeah, he will face Casper Ruud, potentially another surprise man of this tournament, um, playing for the first time in the fourth round of a Grand Slam more of a clay court suited player to be honest um but a brilliant straight sets win against jordan thompson in the first round then beating tommy paul the impressive american in four sets uh before defeating radu albot in the last round in four sets so um yeah impressive from casper Ruud. andre rublev uh boasts a two nil uh head-to-head against the Norwegian player, uh, but both those matches have come on clay at Hamburg. So they're yet to play on a hardcore or, or even at a Grand Slam uh, level. So could be an interesting matchup. I would make Rublev a strong, strong favourite for this one with the uh, conditions suiting him a little bit more and, and you know, the, the fashion in which he's, he's going through at the moment. So I'll, I'll open that and, and say that I would see Rublev going through that in straight sets and Marcus I think it might be your turn to go first on this one I've kind of lost track but I'll, I'll go to you uh, on this one uh, what, what are we saying? I think first off it's important to notice that I have to hold my hands up and think I've been slightly narrow-minded about Kasper Ruud um, maybe pigeonhole him as a clay player a little bit he's only 22 and uh, winning against Jordan Thompson, Tommy Paul and Radu Albot are all players that have had decent runs on on hard courts before. Obviously, this Casper is um, best run ever. First time he's made the last 16 at a Grand Slam. So he definitely deserves some praise for some run in this tournament. However, yeah, <laughs> as you've just predicted, I can't see him challenging Andre Rublev. I think Rublev is on a hard court, probably the fifth best player in the world. Um, so I'm going to have Rublev to win in straights. Yeah, quite, quite a straightforward prediction for me he's got one year one extra year on uh, Kasper Ruud 23 years old against the 22 year old so maybe we could see these two um, lock horns a lot more in the future but in this matchup it's quite a straightforward um, straight sets victory for Andre Rublev in my opinion yeah and Owen asked you on the the last one is this a must win for uh, Pass? I think you we probably would agree it's more of a must-win in this match for Andre Rublev, really. You know, we're yet to see him. Um, I, I don't think he's been in the Grand Slams semi-final yet. I'm not, he, he, I think he might have made the quarter-final of the, the US Open last year. Um, so, yeah, you, you'd think this is surely um, got to be a must-win for, for Rublev if he really wants to be marching on at the Grand Slam level. 
Yeah, hundred percent for Rublev. You know, he's seeded seven here. You know, he's he's really got to start showing, you know, at grandstand level, slam level, why he's one, why he's that ranking. And you know, against Kasparud, um, a player who's going to fight for every ball, a player who's, you know, quite very consistent, um, could trouble Rublev. But you know, I think as you guys say, pretty comfortable. I I see this being pretty comfortable for Rublev. You know. I think the, the conditions suit his play so much more. I think, um, you know, playing faster, um, I think. Um, and I just think he's got all the shots at this, at this point. And, uh, you know, bidding to get into the quarterfinals for the first time here at the Australian Open, you know, be a great feat. And I think, you know, from then on, I think the nerves will kick in for Rublev to then try and get make that semi-final. But for this match, I would say, you know, straight sets, comfortable victory for Rublev. But then I'd say going into that quarterfinal, which I predict him to go get through, I think he could, you know, then we'll see his mental toughness. Can he get through there and become, you know, a well-established player at Grand Slam level? Yeah, and so looking on to that next match, uh, the winner of Rublev Rude uh, will face uh, the winner of Daniel Medvedev against uh, Mackenzie McDonald, the American uh so the quarterfinal that I think quite I think we might all have predicted, uh, Rublev versus Medvedev looks to be happening. Um, not to take anything away from Mackenzie McDonald, he's having a good tournament. Used a protected ranking to get in, um, beating Marco Cecchinato in four sets. Borna Choric in four sets is the real standout result, uh, and then Lloyd George Harris in three sets. Um, Medvedev has had a bit of a turbulent time actually getting to the fourth round so far very comfortable in his first two matches and then given a five sets match uh in his last round against Filip Krajinovic in a, a really weird match he uh, was getting quite angry on court Medvedev shouting at his coach uh, I think it's Giles Carrera I think I said that right um I haven't got the name to hand but I think that's the name of his coach um shouting at his coach and then his coach ended up leaving before the fifth set to let his play apparently to allow Medvedev to calm down and Medvedev went and won the set six love so really bizarre that that a coach would leave the court to give their player more of an advantage and it looked like it worked um so yeah but I think we we won't spend too long on this match 3-0 head-to-head in favour of Medvedev. Um, at, I think a couple of those have come at Masters, but none at Grand Slam level. Uh, Medvedev bidding to get to his first quarterfinal at the Australian Open. Uh, McDonald playing in his first Grand Slam, uh, sorry, second Grand Slam fourth round after he made the fourth round at Wimbledon in 2018. Um, but yeah, I can't see anything other than Medvedev in straight sets for me on this one. And McDonald, you know, looks to be having a very good tournament. I can't say that I've actually seen any of his matches, but I think very much like this is one that Rublev really needs to get through comfortably if he wants to be considered a contender in this bottom half of the draw. I think Medvedev really needs to be winning this quite comfortably uh, against a player that he's never lost against before. Uh, having played a few times. So, uh, Owen, I'll come to you first. Um, I'm going Medvedev uh, in straights. Can you change that or are you going to agree? No, I think I'd be stupid to not agree there. Like, um, 
Medvedev has looked, you know, very strong apart from that hiccup in the last match. And I don't think that can be ignored, you know, um, having that sort of, you know, putting that sort of performance in for the first two sets. And then because it's very rare we've seen with Medvedev, you know, um, being pushed to five at all um, and then having complications with his coach. But I think that just sums him up as a person in general, you know, very unpredictable. You know, he's a match player. He can fight. He can do everything. Um you know, I think he becomes one of the favourites now, if not the favourite, to win the tournament. So uh, I think straight straight sets victory for um, Medvedev and that sets up that all-Russian clash, which we should be accustomed to seeing for many years to come. Yeah, for sure. And a, a brilliant match it will be. We won't get too excited about it yet um, because a certain Norwegian man and a certain American will have... Uh, other things to say about that. Marcus, what are you thinking about this match? Um, I have to agree with you too. Obviously, I think it's important to add that Mackenzie McDonald's done really well to battle off the injuries that he's had in the last few years. He's still ranked just inside the world top 200. So to make the last 16 at this slam is very impressive. Of course, that win against Borna Chorich really stands out. However, yeah. Um, there's no real contest in this one for me. I think Medvedev's serve even might be too much for McDonald to handle. I think I'm feeling really good about Medvedev in this tournament. Um, I'd maybe have him level with Djokovic at favourite. I don't know. I know I've said that. I don't think Djokovic is favourite anymore, but he's, Medvedev is definitely the, the next one on the, on the ladder after after him for me. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm not too concerned about the slip up against Krajinovic. I think we spoke pre-podcast and I think it's more of a case of Medvedev mentally taking his foot off the gas, getting two sets up. Krajinovic is a good player. I know he's a player that we both rate. Um, so dropping one set to him wouldn't have been um, too too poor. I think I think he's a good player. Um, but yeah, Medvedev definitely for me in, in straight sets. And then, yeah, that'll be a some quarterfinal to look forward to. So yeah, that pretty much rounds up uh, where we are with the men's tournament at the moment. Um, just quickly to bring you up to speed with what's been happening on the uh, women's side of things. Naomi Osaka was involved in a brilliant match last night against Muguruza. Um, she actually saved two match points uh, coming back from 3-5 down in the deciding set to win 7-5. So fantastic um, performance from her. Uh, she'll come up in the quarterfinals against Heishu Wei of Chinese Taipei, uh, who um, knocked out on route uh, Bianca Andreescu in the second round. Uh, that was one of their wins to get here. Uh, you've got um, 4-1 Osaka leads their head-to-head uh, at the moment. So Osaka really a strong favourite uh, to get through that match and actually is one of the favourites to win the tournament at the moment on the women's side. Um, looking really, really impressive. Um, and Serena Williams set up a quarterfinal today uh, with Simona Hallett. Now that's that's a brilliant match, um, and I think you know that is going to be a, a really closely contested one. They played a lot before. Serena Williams boasts a much better record, winning nine three, but uh, with Serena Williams now being the tenth seed and Hallett being the second because of you know Serena not 
winning a slam now for quite a while. Um, Hannah maybe does go into it favourite, but you can never write off an on form, uh, an inform Serena Williams. Hannah uh, battled back from a set down against Eager Sweetek this morning. Uh, Sweetek on a 10 match winning run at the Grand Slam events, having won the French Open at the back end of last year, the 19 year old. Uh, and Serena Williams uh, coming through in three sets as well against Sabalenka. Um, so really good wins there for them. And the remaining four uh, four for our matches playing tonight. Number one seed, Ash Barty takes on Shelby Rogers of America. Number five seed, Alina Svitolina uh, against American Pegula. Uh, Donna Vekic, the 28th seed, still in. She faces uh, another American in uh, Jennifer Brady, who made the US Open semi-final at the end of last year. Uh, and then the final fourth round will be the 18th seed, Elise Mertens, against 25th seed, Carolina Mucheva. So uh, some still some really big names uh, in the women's side. I think in terms of who's going to win, there's probably three names, uh, sorry, four names, uh, that are really looked at as having real good chances. You've got Ash Barty, uh, Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams, and uh, Simona Halep are the the four there that I think, you know, they, they've all done it before and, and they've got pedigree at this level. And Svitolina ranked at number five, will hope that uh, she can disrupt that. Um, Owen, did you want to say anything on the women's? If not, I don't know if it's if it's something you really follow. If not, we can move on. Or I just wanted to say a quick word. You know, it's been um, you know, very unpredictable. You know, the women's side. You know, the past few years. You know, been a lot of different champions. And you know, with that match with uh, Swiatek and um, Halep, I actually thought Swiatek was going to wipe the floor with Halep um, again, as she did in the French, but. Um, wasn't to be and you know now I think it just opens up um a lot and I'll just I'll just say that you know Australian home home slam I think you know Ash Barty can do it for, for me so uh I'll just stick my neck out on the line on the women's side for, for that one yeah no it's fair enough uh, I think as you say sweet tech yeah I think she only dropped three games possibly to Halep when they played at the back end of last year in the the delayed French Open, uh, which she went on and won without even dropping a set on route. So, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, brilliant match between her and Halep today and Halep going through that. And Halep always got to be talked about. She's um, done brilliantly at this level before. Um, okay, yeah, Marcus. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention how how good Sabalenka was playing before before Serena Williams has knocked her out. That's an incredible win for Williams, who had a disappointing 2020. Um, so, yeah, I think everyone will be willing her to chase Margaret Court's um, record if she can if she can keep going in, in this slam. But, yeah, the favourite name to throw into the hat for me is Naomi Osaka, the US Open champion. I think Ash Barty took so much time off it'd be... Obviously, with the home support, but it'll be impressive if she can come through and win this slam. But I think Osaka looks so good towards the back end of last year. Still a very young player, of course. Um, so, yeah, Osaka's the favourite for me. Yeah, Osaka is uh, fancied as the favourite with Ash Barty in second and Serena Williams third. Just looking down the uh, 
the bookies list uh, in terms of the favourites. Um, so, yeah, just quickly away from the Australian Open, because um, it's also been quite a busy week for British players on the Challenger Tour. Uh, and Andy Murray, who he missed the Australian Open because of uh, he had to isolate with having coronavirus and not being able to make it to Australia in time. Uh, he's playing the BAA Challenger in uh, Italy. And uh, he has got to the final and plays the final today against former top 50 player Ilya Marchenko of Ukraine, a player who also is on a bit of a sort of recovery as well, not quite as drastic as, as Murray's. Um, Murray has actually played Marchenko twice and they both came at the Australian Open, uh, which was interesting. So playing at the same time as the Australian Open's going on, but this time not at the Australian Open. Um, but yeah, Marcus, what 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 do you make of Murray uh, this week? You know, he's come through some matches against some good players. As Martyra uh, was in there, Bourges of France. Um, you know, all players that have have been been in the top one hundred. I don't think any of them are at the moment, but uh, it's looked quite encouraging from Murray. Um, yeah, I think Martyra is definitely the main win. Um, looking at the field of that challenger tournament, it's not, it's not the most high quality. Um, yeah, the Moroni and, and Borge wins, I think it would be a bit of a disaster if Murray lost those. I think the Martyra one, there would have been a cause to say, look, he's a, he's a good player. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't expect anything less than Andy Murray to win this tournament, to be honest. Otherwise, I think we need to be very concerned about his immediate future in the sport. Um, so, yeah, I'm not taking too much, but it's good to see that hopefully he can just come through these matches and still feel good going into next week. Um, well, I think he might be playing a, another challenger tournament. So, yeah, it's all about fitness for Murray, whether his body can can take um, the, the amount of matches in the tournament um, across a across a longer period of time. So, yeah, I, I firmly believe he'll beat Ilya Marchenko and, and take that challenger title. Yeah, just double-checking uh, when this match starts. At the time of recording, it's only due to start in about half an hour, so it might be when you're listening to this. Uh, Andy Murray hopefully has picked up the Bielia uh, trophy. But Owen, um, you know, happy to see Andy Murray back. Are you, you know, pleased that he's playing in these tournaments? Because I do think, uh, you know, there's a good argument that a lot of the top players... You know, if they hadn't got into the Australian Open, I'm not 100% sure if they would come down to this level, mainly more out of sort of self, um, sort of maybe like the fear not to fail almost. Um, because, you know, you don't really, when you like a player like Andy Murray, if you go to a tournament uh, at the Australian Open and lose to a top 50 player, there's not so much shame in it, but you know, it, it, it might be quite hard for Andy Murray to come down to this level and lose to a player like a sort of um, Borge, as we say. Um, you, are you pleased, though, to see him, you know, really biting his teeth and then playing down at this level and really trying to work his way back up? Um, yeah, I am. Yeah, so um, it's nice to see him back um, playing. And I think it really um, you know goes to show what Andy Murray is all about. He's all about competing. He's all about, you know, playing. And he loves the sport. Say what you will about Andy Murray, but he loves he loves the sport of tennis. And you know, he wants to just get get competing on that high level. And he knows what it he has to do to do it. 
and you know he's not shying away from the challenge. He's 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 you know he's putting his body through through immense pressure again. Um, you know, risk to try and get himself back to where he he believes he should be, and you know what a lot of people think where where a lot of a lot of people think he should be as well. So you know, I'm I for one am very very um very pleased to see him back playing at least. But you know, I completely agree with Marcus. He needs that fitness, but he also needs that match play as well. So the more matches he gets under the belt, the more co- more confident he's going to be. And you know, let's just hope that those injuries, you know, stay at bay. And um, hopefully, we can see him at the, uh, you know, the next Grand Slam uh, at the French Open. Hopefully. Yeah, and Andy Murray, not the only British player having success this week at challenge level. Uh, Liam Brody. Uh, strung together six wins, uh, having to qualify for a tournament in, I'm going to murder the pronunciation, Pochestrum in South Africa. Um, having to qualify, made the final. Uh, it was really impressive for him, beating a 19-year-old exciting youngster, Seng, I think you say, from uh, the Chinese Taipei, as well as uh, Brandon Schnur, I think a, a former... Uh, ATP finalist Brandon Schnell. I'm sure he had a, a funny run to a 250 final. Um, he lost in the final though this morning, Liam Brody to the second seed, Benjamin Bonzi, 7 5 6 4. But um, I, I just thought it was you know really good to see Brody stringing consistent wins together on Challenger Tour because it hasn't really happened for Brody. Uh, over the last four, five, six years, he was when he was a youngster, he was really sort of talked about as being an, a next big British player, and he's just ma- struggled to find consistency at that level. So it is good to see him winning at that level. He's playing uh, again in the same place, uh, which I'm not going to try and say again. Uh, they've got another challenge tournament on this week, and he's got a Galovic in the first round of. Croatia so uh, we'll see how consistent he is and, and how well it's a tough match in itself actually but um, see if he can get some good results this week as well uh, I think that's pretty much it on uh, for this podcast uh, we've talked it's been quite a long one we've talked for quite a while uh, about the Australian Open and other matches Um Firstly, Owen, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Uh, thank you. Um, it's always my pleasure to come on. Thanks for having me. It's always our pleasure to have you on, and uh, we'll definitely have you again. Um, Marcus, uh, thank you for coming on. Thanks for feeling a bit raw this morning off the loss of Felix and team in the Australian Open, but, you know, we'll be fine. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to tonight's action. Um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Happy Valentine's Day, dear listener. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marcus feeling a bit raw off of the tennis results and also a 3-2 loss to Gillingham yesterday. Uh, yeah, he's not looking too pleased with himself there. Um, yeah, that's it for us, uh, for this podcast for now. Uh, we'll be back later in the week as the Australian Open gets on. Stay safe.